Okay, so we're going to uh, dive into this sermon, and what I'm going to do is something a little bit different to what we might normally do in uh, going into a sermon. I'm going to read to you a prayer that's found in Ephesians uh, chapter 3, and if you have your Bibles, you can read along with me. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 16, and this is a prayer that Paul has over the church of Ephesus, and i It gives you a bit of a window into Paul's prayer life over the other churches that he also led. But I want to make this prayer for for us as a church. And so we're going to start with this, and then we're also going to close with this at the end of the sermon. Is that okay? So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 through to 19, Paul writes, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Say power. He may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell, say dwell, in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, that's the way that you came in to faith. You came in because of God's rich love for you through Christ. Now that you've been established that way, verse 18, that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, right across all the other believers across the globe, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, say filled, Filled. to the measure of all the fullness of God. Verse 18 uh, says, together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide, how deep, how high. He's basically saying that uh, the love of God is limitless. To grasp how limitless the love of God is. And if you will grasp the limitless nature of his love for you, then you'll actually find yourself coming into the full measure, being filled to the fullness. Of God. Amen? That's my prayer for you. So, Lord God, we just ask would you come and move in our church? For those here and also at home, those watching online, Lord God, we ask that there would just be a move of your Holy Spirit that brings revelation of the fullness of your love, and that that fullness would actually become the very thing that calls us into the fullness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to be looking at two different passages this morning. Uh, The first one found in 1 John uh, chapter 2, and then also uh, we're going to be looking at John chapter 15. But just before we get to both of those passages, uh, I just wanted to underline what this this sermon is about. Last week, we we opened up a series uh, that uh, every disciple... No matter who you are, the fullness of God is for you. Uh, You might think, well, this person has uh, greater aspects of Jesus, or this person can witness, or this person hears from God, but that's not mine. Uh, That's not intended for me. But I want to tell you that through this series, I want you to discover that everything of Jesus is yours. Everything of Jesus is yours. Sometimes we can create a little bit of a role play in our our heads thinking, but there's reasons why I can't have everything of Jesus 
or maybe there's doubts that we might have, today's sermon will help you to unsettle some of those doubts and to bring about a, a, a framework for how you can know you can have the fullness of God. And so we're going we're to be talking about the love of God and how he intends for you to be full, firstly, of his love. And out of that, everything else comes. There's not one person here who cannot be filled to the fullness of God. In fact, uh, it's not decades away for you. It's as close as surrender is for you. Just think about that for a moment. You don't need to add extra things to your life to become more like Jesus. It's more about letting go of certain things to become more like Jesus. Amen? Maybe you're not not, uh, convinced of that yet, but I'm going to work really hard to try and convince you because it's not about adding extra things. You see, sometimes we come to Jesus and we think, oh, Jesus, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to love my brother. I've got to forgive that person. I've got to do all these things. Uh, I don't know if I can add all those things. Listen, when I first became a Christian, uh, I, I could tell you I had a list of duties that I felt I had to do for God. And the list got so big that by the end of the day, I had forgotten some of the things I thought was most important to do on that list. And I was trying to add things to Jesus, but never realizing that it was actually about surrender. It's actually about his love. Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. A new command I give you. Notice he says it's new. We'll explore this a little bit later. It's not actually new, but there's something new about what Jesus says about this. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now notice... Uh, back in the Old Testament, uh, there's a scripture that says, and a command that says, love others as you would uh, have them love you. And then sometimes you hear some people say, and there is truth to this, but uh, there's a higher truth I want you to explore today. But the truth, sorry, the the saying might go something like, uh, if you don't love yourself, how can you love somebody else? Now, there is some truth to that, and you could even apply that in a secular world, But Jesus says something that's a little bit higher than that again. He says, as I have loved you, now go and love others. It's an experience that you've had. And if you have not had the experience of his love, you're going to be desperately trying to find where to grab that love from. Here in Australia, we understand tolerance. We have tolerance for people, at least we say that. We have tolerance for those who are different to us. But we weren't called to tolerate people. We were called to love them, right? Love goes in a higher level to toleration. Toleration has a certain point where I can no longer tolerate in my own strength. We go, yeah, I'll tolerate, I'll tolerate, I'll tolerate. Oh, it's getting harder, I'll tolerate. Uh, Yeah, And then we find ourselves to a point where I can't tolerate that anymore. I've got to say something, right? But love actually goes in with a full embrace, no matter what the outcome It is so freeing to actually be a disciple who loves. Jesus says, a new command I give you, to love one another as I have loved you. He goes on to say in verse 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Okay, I want you to consider this. If I do not know the love of God for myself, am I actually a disciple? 
if I am not living out of the love that God has for me and then on to others, am I actually a disciple? Jesus says, they'll know that you are my disciple if you do this. He actually makes a very bold point of saying the, the very thing that you are to do as a disciple is just centered around loving one another. It actually simplifies everything about discipleship. Every command that's found in the Old Testament comes under love for God or love for each other. And if we simply learn to love, there is no law. You have to walk by the Spirit in order to love in that way. So Jesus says, my disciples will be known this way. This is going to be uh, what people see and they understand to be true of who I am, that these have to be my disciples because they have such a rich love for one another and for those around them. Okay, let's have a look at 1 John chapter 2. I've titled this sermon, uh, Every Disciple Loves One Another. But another title that we could use is uh, Turn the Lights On. And you'll understand in just a moment. Uh, two, uh, 1 John, rather, chapter 2, verse 9. John writes this, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Here, uh, John points out that uh, those who love have turned the lights on. There's nothing to make you stumble when you walk in the love of God. You can see clearly when you love others. There is a sense of which all of a sudden you see as God sees when you love others. My greatest mistakes in leadership came when I broke this rule. And I uh, tried to control the outcome of something rather than simply doing what God called me to do, love the other person. And it happens so subtly. It can even happen without uh, meaning to hurt anybody else, but it might be coming out of self-preservation. And uh, there were times in my ministry where uh, I was fearing that maybe I was not enough as somebody else. I was playing the comparison game. But whenever I played the comparison game... I was stepping out of love, and I was just thinking about me, right? Uh, whenever I found myself fearing what others might think of what I said, I was stepping out of love, and I was fearing what uh, men might think of me. Uh, when I came into uh, you know, a conflict situation where I knew that there were certain things that needed to be addressed, and love does address things, it doesn't stay silent. Sometimes it's easier to withdraw, but when we withdraw, we step out of love. And we find ourselves searching around, stumbling in the dark, trying to make something change. And the very thing we, we hope to change by withdrawing, you should know, is what we're saying. You should know you hurt me. Uh, the other person's like, I can't see anything. The lights have been turned off. I don't know what's needing to be fixed. Every time we step out of love, we turn the lights off. And we find ourselves in the dark, stumbling around. And you might find it could be out of jealousy. 
It could be out of withdrawing uh, from somebody and, and uh, withdrawing yourself uh, from forgiving them. It could be that you, you actually become offended by that person and in your offense you begin to list out all the things that are wrong with that person. Or you, you actually decide, I don't want to follow that person anymore because they do things differently to how I would do it. And again, we step out of love and we step into a judgment of other people. We step into the dark. When it comes to uh, bringing about fruit in your relationships, where love can only be the place where fruit is born, you must choose, decisively choose, to step into love. I had a meeting this last week uh, where I recognised... See, I, that night, you can tell sometimes when you're stepping out of love. Uh, in fact, I could, I could tell you... You could tell every time, but sometimes it creeps up on you when you realise, oh, I'm not standing in love right now. And during the night, I had one of those wake-me-up kind of dreams where uh, I was trying to control all the outcomes of this meeting. That In my dream, I was thinking of all the things I would say, all the things that um, I could say in order to control a different outcome, uh, uh, all the things that would save me money, right? And I found myself replaying everything about what I was going to do. Do you know, whenever you actually step into the dark, it becomes a wrestle for you. You lose sleep over being in the dark. You, you, uh, you, you actually lose hope when you're in the dark. But the moment I recognised it, I said, God, uh, in the morning, I, I, I said, God, I recognise that that dream was outplaying something that's stirring in my heart where I am trying to control the outcome of something. I've stepped out of love. Help me to love this person and to just trust you in the midst, even though it could cost me something, could cost me financially. So when I rang this person up, uh, I was conscious of, Holy Spirit, I've committed to you. I want to love this person. And so the very first thing uh, I said was, is this, uh, is this something that I can do to help pay for what this might cost you? Uh, what, what's going to be the extra cost so that I can make sure that you're not out of pocket? I chose, firstly, to step into love. And he says, oh, no, no, you don't have to pay for that. I've got it already sorted in this package. He said, I was worrying for all the wrong reasons and could have gone in with a hard head trying to control the outcome. And I would come out with no fruit. Now, I couldn't actually guarantee his response, but I can guarantee God's response when I love He always bears fruit. It's impossible not to bear fruit when he's standing in his love. So when we choose to step into love, we choose to turn the lights on. All of a sudden, in those times when you meet with somebody, whether it's a a conflict that you're working through, whether it's a work colleague that you're standing next to, whether it's uh, something that is in your marriage that you know that you're working through some difficult things, the moment that you choose grace, that you choose love, All of a sudden, you not just turn the lights on for you, but you're actually turning the lights on for them, even if they're in the wrong. When I choose to try and control things myself, I choose to keep the lights off, and they don't recognize themselves what they've done that is wrong. But the moment I turn the lights on and I choose to love, all of a sudden, I am able to say, God, 
You are the one who's going to move this in your timing. It's your role to change the heart of the other person if indeed they need a heart change. I'm trusting you with that. All I'm doing is I'm choosing to love. You can do the rest. It is a great faith step. And it puts everything back on God as the one who is uh, in charge of somebody else. Amen? All of a sudden, it gives them a chance to see things clearly. And again, I can't promise uh, you that they'll see things and and repent and, and change and all that kind of thing. But what I can say is you position them in a place where they can. Because all of a sudden, they can see clearly. Jesus said... When I'm with you, a great light is here. But the moment I go, uh, you will not have that light with you any longer. Believe in the light now so that you can carry the light with you. This was the kind of thing. When you're with somebody else, even somebody who's not a Christian, and you shine the light through loving that person, you give them every reason to see things clearly. They might even be the biggest atheist or a person who uh, is rejecting of the gospel But the moment that you actually stand with them in light, choosing to love them, not make them a project, but you love them, then they can see clearly at that point. This is the place we're called to, is to love one another. 1 John 2, if we backtrack just a little bit, uh, verse 7, John says, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, uh, but an old one, which uh, you've had since the beginning. This old command is a message you have heard, yet I'm writing you a new command. It's very similar to Jesus' words. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Here Jesus, or John rather, says that uh, this old command that we had, it has been from the beginning, right from creation at, at the start of of when the world first began, it was written into the code of mankind to be in the image of God, to love one another. That was the code. In fact, your greatest peace, your greatest joy, your greatest uh, victories come out of coming back to this place because that's what you were created for. And yet the world, if they could fix this problem in the world, because we live in a world, I'm sure you would agree, that is broken, Every place we look to across the globe, there's nation against nation, there's rumours of wars, there's, uh, you know, there's uh, people who are you know, in conflict, there's uh, people who are greedy and, uh, and so on. And we see that the world is broken. If we could fix this problem in the world, it would have been fixed already. But Jesus came in our brokenness. He was the one who came, knowing that we were created to love one another, He came out of the deep love of the Heavenly Father. He did according to the will of the Heavenly Father. And he went to the cross according to the will of the Heavenly Father. And out of his deep love, he shone his light on you. And he called you home to him. Now, the moment that Jesus did that, he says, I give you a new command. John says, you have a new command. What is this new command? It's the same as the old one, to love one another. But now we have the fact that it's found through relationship with the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. Your greatest growth will come out of knowing and having a revelation of God's love for you. Your greatest capacity to love others will come out of the richness of God's love for you. Let me turn to John chapter 15. 
And we'll come close to, close to finishing here. John chapter 15. I said close. We're not there yet. Uh, okay, and verse 9. As the Father has loved me, John chapter 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that, you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus, uh, just before this, he talks about a, a vine, the branches are connected to the main vine. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The connection point, the, uh, I guess the adoption into becoming part of the family of God comes through belief in Jesus. Last week we talked about we enter in through belief, a repent and believe. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He came and he shouldered the, uh, the brokenness of the world. He shouldered my sin and he, he won victory on the cross. We believe in who Jesus is. That's the connection point into the vine. But if you want to bear fruit, you have to remain in him. If you want to bear fruit, you must remain in him. And this is what it means to remain in him. Know his love and love others. So if you want to bear fruit, fruit that is to the glory of the head gardener, the Father God, remain in the love of God through Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus was raised back to life, he was taken up into the right uh, hand of the throne of God. And he invites us into the very same place so that we too are now able to go into the very place that Father God is. And we recognize in that place the Father God's love for us. Listen, when you know Father God's love for you, you'll start to rely on it in prayer. You'll start to hold on to it with expectation. Because if you know how rich God's love is, how limitless his love is, you'll start to think differently. God, you love me so much that this little thing about cancer is small to you. I can come to you without any reservation because of what Jesus has done. There's nothing in between you and me. You love me so much, and it changes the way that you view outcomes. It changes the way that you pray. It changes the way that you speak to others. You can afford to love others when you know that you're loved. Back in 1 John chapter 4, uh, verse 16, John says, in response to all the things that he's talked about, about the richness of God's love. And in fact, if you wanted to make your Bible study this week on 1 John, it will reinforce all the things that we've just talked about this morning. Uh, chapter, 16, sorry, chapter 4, verse 16, John says, And so we know and rely, say rely, on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is the remaining in him. Notice he says, We know and rely on the love of God. I wonder if you rely on the love of God. Church, we need, we need to be a, a people, disciples, who rely on the love of God. Who not just know about his love, but they are a people who rely on his love. So let me close with this prayer again out of Ephesians. 
And I would, if you're at home, I'm going to ask you to stand. Here, we can't do it here. Uh, so maybe you just have to stand in your hearts here. Uh, but I just want you to take a, a reverent moment just to allow this prayer to wash over you. That this would be your prayer. That this would be uh, that, that, you know, the, the things that perhaps you found yourself in in the past where you've tried to control outcomes, where you've tried to uh, wrestle things through, that you'd choose to turn the lights on, that you'd choose to find your home in the love of God. Let me just read this prayer over you. Ephesians three sixteen through to 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Father God, we just lift up every single person. Lord, we recognize that uh, there are times where we have tried, and even maybe now, you may have highlighted some things to us that you're simply asking us to let go of. And rather than trying to control or manipulate the outcomes, you're simply calling us to choose love. Our part's easy, Lord God. You just simply call us to love. Lord God, where we know that you've been tugging our heart to even be generous to somebody who is in need, and our head says to us, you can't afford to give that because you may not have enough. But your heart says, you can trust me, just love them, I'll take care of the rest. Father God, uh, we just lift up marriages to you this morning. Marriage is holy and sacred in your sight. You join it together. And marriages work best when we've found how to center ourselves on the love of God. So Father God, we just release. And I know this could cost some people a lot to release. But Lord God, we release everything done against us. Every burden, everything that doesn't come together well, help us to be able to share with truth and yet grace the things that are on our heart, not to back away from being silent or back away from, uh, from things that need to be said, but then also doing it in love, not trying to manipulate or change the other person. Father God, we ask for rich love in marriages today. Lord, in parenthood. We recognize that sometimes we can be at our, our, um, the end of our rope, not knowing where we're going to draw that love from. If something else happens, we don't know how we're going to respond. We know how we want to respond. But Lord Jesus, we ask, would you show us your love? Would you show us how you parent us? Would you show us, Lord God, how you discipline us out of love? Not because you want to uh, be a killjoy, but because you want to see us mature into the fullness of Christ because it's best for us. So, Father God, help us to be parents who stand in the love of God. Lord, I ask for strength. I ask for uh, your joy to be complete, just as you said it would be, in each of us. In the name of Jesus, amen.